Welcome to the C.L. Brown Show. I am your host, C.L. Brown, columnist with the Louisville Courier-Journal. Joining me as guest on this episode, I have Jeff Goodman, college basketball reporter. I shouldn't even leave, limit him to college basketball. He's just a basketball guy. He's with The Messenger now. You've seen his work, ESPN.com, Fox Sports, the stadium. He's He's been around knows college basketball, the ins and outs, as well as anyone covering the game today. Uh, we're going to jump into an article that posted on The Messenger. Jeff put together the top 20 worst hires in college basketball over the last, well, since 2000, this century. And Louisville coach Kenny Payne had the dubious honor of being number one on Jeff's list. So we're going to break that down. We're going to talk a little bit about the debut of Zanimir Ivisic from UK, the Croatian center who just got cleared by the NCAA over the weekend, well, last week, in order to play against Georgia on Saturday. And uh, we're going to just talk college hoops. But before we get to all of that, let me – Take a detour to CL Sounds Off. I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention to the case of Terrence Shannon Jr. at Illinois. Shannon, who's a fifth-year senior, leading scorer on the number 10 Alionize roster, number 10 in the AP, number 11 in the coaches' poll. Uh, Shannon's averaging 21 points a game, having a great year. That year came to a screeching halt, though, last month when the university suspended Shannon after he was charged with rape and sexual intercourse without consent and use of force by the DA in Douglas County, Kansas. And this stemmed from uh, September. He went to a football game in Kansas um, and uh, at a bar, uh, presumably after the game. He was at a bar and a woman uh, who the Associated Press reported she was born in 2005. So 18 or 19 year old, assuming um, she was about 18, 19. Uh, told police that Shannon uh, was the man he had, she identified, grabbed her, this is quoting from the AP article, grabbed her buttocks and then reached under her skirt and touched her sexually. The woman said the bar was so crowded she couldn't move. Now, there was a grad assistant from Illinois who was also with Shannon and a teammate and uh, who was unnamed by the Associated Press, but was a chaperone with them on this trip. And that graduate assistant uh, described in the police report that he was near Shannon the entire night and saw no activity of the type the woman described. So, I mean, you know, obviously without trying to litigate this during these five minutes, I'm going to talk. It, it seems like it's probably going to get into a he said, she said deal. Right. But I go back to putting the onus on the University of Illinois right now and i think that they should have some stronger gatekeepers 
they should have somebody looking out and you know basically for the integrity of the university Terrence Shannon cannot play right now he is being charged with a serious crime um so serious that when when he was first charged the university acted and they suspended him he sat out he was indefinitely suspended he ended up missing six games now what happened was Shannon and I think this is unprecedented. I don't think I can remember anybody ever suing the school to be reinstated the way that Shannon did. And he got that injunction from a judge uh, last Friday. And so he was back in the Illini lineup on Saturday and there went over Rutgers. Now, the thing that I point to from all of this, because, uh, you know, all the time in college sports, you'll have coaches talking about they're going to let the justice system play out right and and that's their justification for playing someone who may have been accused of something and may may have a case pending that that happens all the time but i like to think that it doesn't happen in cases where a player is charged with rape you know with 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 some kind of sexual assault uh, i think the seriousness of the the charges should supersede any kind of you know we'll wait and see approach i mean i think action needs to be taken now shannon's court date in kansas is uh late february february 23rd so i i mean i think brad underwood the coach of the illini uh is able to hide for lack of a better word hide under the guys of, well, Shannon was cleared by this injunction, so he can play. But I would push back that even though he's cleared to be reinstated from the team, the judge can't make Underwood play him in a game. And I think Brad Underwood is the one who should say, this is more serious than a basketball game. And he should sit Terrence Shannon out. Obviously, the Illini have been winning without him, you know. Um, I mean, he was out for six games, and a lot of people thought that they might take a slide and lose all those six games. They they went four and two during that stretch. One of those losses was a five-point loss at Purdue, which certainly, you know, is respectable. Uh, the, the question, you know, was they got upset at home by Maryland, which probably wouldn't happen with Shannon in the lineup, but uh, I don't think you can play that way. I don't think you can can kind of just say Shannon's going to help us win games, so to hell with these charges. I mean, I think you need to take these charges seriously, take the discipline of it seriously, and sit him out. Because um, ultimately, what if after playing for Illinois, after, you know, after this judge's injunction allowing him to be reinstated, what if Shannon actually is found guilty in the Kansas courtroom, guilty of these charges? What, what happens then if you're playing him all this time and you end up essentially playing someone who's guilty? Now, the flip side is, you know, what if he's innocent and certainly um, you know, by, by the details from the police report, 
it could it seems like it could go either way i mean again it seems like a, a case that's going to come down to um he said she said in terms of what can be proved or not proved in in court so we, we don't know how it's going to go but i think because he was put in the, he put himself in this position to be accused and charged you know i think you got to sit out but ultimately the fact that he played 28 minutes against Rutgers, the fact that he's uh seemingly back in the lineup without without anyone from the university blinking to me it's just another sign that college sports are just like pro sports there's no amateurism anymore when you're talking football and basketball playing for high stakes high revenue a lot of money involved winning is the bottom line and terrence shannon can help the illini win games and the illini are letting that supersede anything else integrity any kind of uh disciplinary standards they are letting the fact that shannon can help win games dictate their discipline and i think it's wrong but i'll leave it at that life goes on the game goes on so next up let's hear from jeff goodman and dive into his list of the worst hires i am excited to uh, welcome in my next guest on the show, Mr. Jeff Goodman. Jeff, appreciate you joining me. Thank you for for taking out time from breaking all these stories you break to to join the podcast. No, I love you. You know that. You know that. We go back <laughs> a long way. So uh, I know we tried to do this about a month ago, and uh, I was probably too busy eating banana pudding here in Charleston. Uh, but I'm 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 good now, and uh, we got plenty to talk about, don't we? Yes, yes, indeed. You you uh, you created a lot of. Uh, actually, you didn't create it. It's already been here in Louisville. Yeah. But <laughs> you you added a little gas to the fire with your uh, story posted on the Messenger dot com about the worst hires in college basketball of the last uh, well of this century, essentially. Um, and Kenny Payne from U of L was number one. What what in your mind makes this the worst hire him the worst hire uh because the the depths that they've fallen to with this proud and historic program like there are other guys that did equally as like you look at the records they're not that far off there's guys like greg hire he could have been number one i mean listen yeah there, there, <laughs> there's there's full validation for greg hire at new mexico state who didn't last the year the program was shut down a player was involved in a shooting. They had uh, a sexual assault deal. Like there was plenty there that Greg Hire could have been and maybe should have been number one. So I understand that if if people are upset. But Kenny Payne's in the top few no matter what. Because, again, how bad they've been at that program. Like there's other – pro. you know, Jeff Bezdelic did a horrible job at Wake Forest. Um, we know that – you know, Kevin Stallings was terrible at Pittsburgh. A bunch of the former NBA guys sucked, right? Like you go down the list, there were oh, seven yeah, of them. Yeah. You know, you, you look at Eddie Jordan at Rutgers, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, Mike Dunleavy Sr. at Tulane, Terry Porter, Jerome Allen, Sidney Lowe. Like there's a ton of them. But 
none of those guys took over a program as proud as Louisville. And they've become an embarrassment, a laughing stock uh, in the country. To whereas now, if they win a game, it's celebrated. It's it's a it's a major surprise when Louisville wins any game against Miami anybody. Upset. Right. Yeah. Forget about Miami. If they win a bye game, <laughs> it's one of those where you're actually kind of like, wow, they won a game. And, you know, again, when Kenny was hired, I didn't take any shots at, at him or the hire at the time. I understood it, right? It, it, at that point, it was, well, we got kind of like Indiana. We got to go with one of our own. We got to go with one of our own. And the former players backed it at both places, right? I mean, you have Junior Bridgman at, at Louisville. Yeah. You have Quinn Buckner. Quinn Buckner was doing it in Indiana. Same thing. And both have turned out to be a com- not a complete disaster at Indiana, but not good. Um, Kenny, here was the thing with Kenny that, that looked like it would work is because he had been in college so long. Mike Woodson hadn't. Juwan Howard hadn't. Some of these other former NBA guys hadn't. But Kenny Payne was a college guy, right, at Oregon, at Kentucky. Here's what I'll say, ACL. You and I could have recruited for Phil Knight, basically, and Nike at Oregon. We could have recruited for John Calipari at Kentucky. Kenny Payne is a great human being. But again, you got to look into more than like those guys. There's a reason a lot of the Duke guys haven't done well as head coaches because when they were assistant coaches, it was easy for them. you go out and you handpick guys. You, you know, my daughter could have gotten guys for for Coach K. Now is she getting the right ones all the time? Maybe not. That's the key, right? You got to get the right yeah. ones. But you're going to get top 25 players if you're at Duke recruiting for Coach K, or if you're you know Kentucky for Cal. Or Oregon for, as I call it, Phil Knight and Nike. Um, Kenny, to me, was just never a guy that I would have given a, a, a high major head coaching job to at first. I would have made him earn it. I would have given him, you know, Eastern Kentucky or something of that level before I would have given him Louisville. It was just, it's too big a step. And again, then you look at his staff. And you're like, okay, Nolan Smith's going to be your number one guy. He's only been on the road for a couple of years, and he's going to be our number one recruiter. Danny Manning's, again, an elite-level human being, but but not a guy that's going to go out and get dudes. That's not what Danny Manning's going to do. He's not going to get dudes. And Josh Jameson, I knew him, but like, you're going to hire a dude who was the ops guy at Oregon yeah. on your staff to recruit? Like, What are we doing? Wait, he were probably you surprised owed- uh, that he didn't shake that up after – Four and yeah. yeah. Like, again, like Josh Jameson, I mean, I assume he just owed somebody a favor. I hate to say it, but true at, at Nike or at Oregon or somewhere. Because, like, I'm not putting him on the road. Like, you want to create a, a position for those guys. Danny Manning, special assistant to the head coach. Fine. Josh Jameson, ops guy. Fine. But I need I need dudes who are going to get players. Some me. dogs on the road, yes. basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Kenny Payne should have known that. He had been in the in, in college basketball for long enough. So I, I felt like, you know, it, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. So <laughs> based on all of that, I think I know the answer to this question, but do you see anything, do you see any light at the end of this tunnel? Do you see anything, you know, being able to change as this season closes out? I mean, change in the sense that, yeah, they beat Miami at Miami, so they, they showed they can. 
right? I mean, at their highest level, they can, and now they know they can. So that's a good thing. Um, but not consistency. No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I didn't think he'd necessarily make it through the year. Yeah. And and I don't I think there were some people that did not want him to make it through the year. And then some people obviously Definitely high that. up that yeah, high up that vetoed that. We know that, yeah. right? Like ultimately it was a split decision there. And I'm like honestly, I, I think they, they're doing the right thing, keeping him through the year. He's one of your own. He's a good guy. Yes, he's made some mistakes on and off the court. Nothing egregious off the court, like mistakes in press conferences, things of that nature that, again, like if he had done this, been a head coach at a lower level, he probably would have learned those mistakes and nobody would have paid attention. But now you're on the main stage and and you make them and things are already bad on the court. So it's like a comedy of errors and he just gets crucified for every little, I mean, even playing his son is dissected. Yeah. Yeah. You play play your son the other night and you start him and it's like, Ooh, really? You're going to start your son now? Yeah. Like this isn't probably the right place or time to do that when you're, when you're losing, like you don't have the, you just don't have the juice to be able to do something like that right now. You better feel pretty damn confident. It's going to work. And it, it didn't. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's a lot of pushback on that too, as well. So um, I wanted to ask one more thing about Louisville in general. Who do you see as being a good fit here? I know that's the question, right? That is the question. All right. So everybody throws out McCronin. He's got a huge buyout and, and UCLA is not very good this year. I just don't see that happen. I don't see him paying $16 million unless he can get out of that buyout, which some have told me that people close to him think that, you know, he thinks he can get out of it and, and maybe UCLA is done with him. And they say, you know what, we'll eat part of it to get yeah. rid of you. I, I don't I don't think that would be the case. But, uh, you know, Dusty May is a name. Mm-hmm. FAU's not having the greatest year, but Dusty's done an incredible job, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and he's a Midwest guy. You know, the question there is, Okay, he takes Louisville, and a year later, Indiana opens, and he was a manager there. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do you do? Like, if Indiana opens, Dusty's going to be at or near the top of the list, and, you know, he's not saying no to his alma mater. He'd probably bolt Louisville, so I don't think I'd do that one. A name to me that I would have high up the list is T.J. Otzelberger at Iowa State, and I don't know if anybody's mentioned him. He's got a pretty good buyout, too. Yeah, it's not 16 million, but I think it's probably close to like eight or so. Um, he's done such a, I mean, look at what he's done yeah. at Iowa State. Incredible job. He's tough. He pre- now again, he preaches toughness. He's been in the college game forever. He can get more out of his talent than most. Like they don't have the highest end talented dudes, but he can evaluate, develop, get him to play hard. Again, like. It's going to be a step for whoever it is. It's not going to be automatic flip this thing and all of a sudden Louisville is going to be national title or Final Four contenders again. And I think people will understand that for a couple of years, right? For a couple of you years. Know I be- don't know if they would because I feel like the transfer portal has changed people's True. you know, <laughs> patience <Yes>. level. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And that's the beauty of it. You can flip it quick. You can flip it quick and get back to the tournament in a year. And then take the next step in 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 two maybe. Um, they need nil. They need somebody in there who, you know, 
who gets that. Like Kenny Payne fought the portal when he got the job. He fought it. And like even this year, you brought in too many freshmen. You, you're not winning with freshmen. You've got to go heavy portal, which means what? You got to, and you think Kenny would have been able to get plenty of NIL in the community, right? He's already established. Everybody likes Kenny. The former players wanted him. They're hungry to, to get back. Like it shouldn't have been that hard to raise, you know, $2 million this year for NIL, to be honest. Like one person could have written that paycheck, that, that check for $2 million for this year. You got to find the right one. I mean, listen, I'm down here at Charleston for, for a stretch. Charleston probably has more money than Louisville did for NIL this year. Charleston. Oh, so wow. if Charleston can do it, CL, Kenny Payne should have been able to do it at Louisville. There's no excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's uh, switch gears to uh, a, a more positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kentucky is looking – they're looking pretty tough right now. Um, let, let's start with Zvonimir Ivicic finally being cleared by the NCAA to play. Can you remember, is there a comparable debut for somebody who, you know, we've been waiting to see kind of, and, you know, I think a lot of times with people from overseas, it's like, yeah, I hear he can do X, Y, Z, but let me see him in a real game. And obviously, Zvonimir lived up to to the hype. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything like this. It, and it's weird because, again, it's not like, like Big Z in, in those parts, people were talking about him. I was not talking about him at all. I wasn't just because, again, like I just felt like as time went along, how is this kid going to be able to be eligible and play and actually play? I forgot about him. I did. I forgot about him. Um, and, and part of it was, well, Kentucky had Aaron Bradshaw coming back. They had uh, Onyenso coming back. So it was like, how is this kid going to play? He's going to be so far behind. Yeah. How is Cal really going to throw him out there? And I remember seeing him walking down the hallway – after they lost to um, Kansas in, in United Center back in November. And I'm looking at the kid, and I'm like, yeah, like, all right, this kid's tall. He's long. But, like, all right, maybe we'll see you next year. Maybe we won't. Maybe he'll go back home. Who knows? But he may never take the court. And uh, what he did those first five minutes was – it was insane. <laughs> it was absolutely – it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, and like – because he was like Sid Finch – almost for a while like this this kind of mythical human being <laughs> that we didn't know like would ever again would ever get in the court and then he gets on the court and dominates for a stretch and and he does it in every way right he blocks shots yeah the behind the back pass the threes it's like holy crap and i had one nba guy tell me i remember i reached out to like five nba guys when they got a commitment from him in august and one guy was just like i don't love him he's he's soft He's always hurt. I don't think he's going to fit in with Cal. So I just – I want to see him with my own eyes and yeah. see, like, once – let's face it, Georgia doesn't have great players or bigs, number one, and they had no idea he was going to play. Yeah. So it was like, you know, throwing a guy out there that there was no scout for, no clue what to do with. Let's see what this kid does. You know, can he sustain it? I don't know. But, man, it gives them another weapon for a team that we already thought had a chance to go to the Final Four. You add him to the mix, and it's wow! It's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Yeah. What do you see as you know maybe the Achilles' heel of this team? Um, I mean, I think it's defense. I think it's defense, which is no surprise because you get a bunch of freshmen, and then you got you know 
like Antonio Reeves isn't a great defender. Trey Mitchell's not a great defender. The two veterans. Uh, but I, I, listen, you got to give them credit. They got a little luck. Well, oh, yeah. a lot of luck in the <laughs> yeah. summer, right? Huggins gets fired and you get Trey Mitchell. And he's your only big for the first, whatever, 10 games. And Antonio Reeves was, was done. I mean, he was out. He was taking yeah. classes at, I, I reported it, Illinois State. He was enrolled, taking classes, wanted to leave. And then I, I don't think he was allowed to. I think Kentucky showed him documentation from the NCAA that said, like, if you transfer, try to play somewhere else, you're not going to be eligible. But here's what I'll say is, like, give Reeves a ton of credit because he came back and he's bought in. Yeah. And he's gotten better. And, you know, I think there's some concern playing with those guards because, frankly, I didn't know if Dillingham and Wagner were going to be a good fit together. But, you know, Reed Shepard's been the connector. Oh, like, he's been the kid. connector. Yeah. Without him, <laughs> yeah, without him, I don't think Wagner and Dillingham really work the same way. But what does Reed Shepard do? He makes every right decision. Like, if you were shooting 60% from 3CL, how many shots would you be throwing up? Oh, <laughs> I'd be throwing it up every time I touch the ball. <laughs> exactly. And this dude, like, literally does not shoot the ball unless he's wide open or needs to. So he, he's been, to me, the biggest key has been Reed Shepard because this young group, and Reeves wasn't young, but he was also a, a kind of ball-stopping guard, right? Like, not a ball-moving guard. And now they've all become kind of ball movers because it's contagious. They know they're getting the ball back. And uh, they are they are a blast to watch. Incredibly fun team to watch, man. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up with this. So Kentucky makes the Final Four if what happens? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I you know I think it's it's efficiency for them, and 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 they guard. You know they gotta they gotta continue to make shots from three, which I was kind of concerned about to be honest. Other than Reeves. Wagner is not a great three-point shooter. I didn't. I just didn't know Shepard was going to be able to play this much. I didn't yeah. think – I think Cal would make him wait his turn. I mean, I, but, I yeah, I was with you. Right? I thought he might be maybe 10 minutes a game, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, right. And I, honestly, I thought he was more of a of a legacy guy. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I thought yeah. it was yeah, – A lot I, of us did. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, you weren't alone. Like, in AU, you're watching him a couple of years ago, and you go out too, and you're like, all right, he's a nice player. Yeah. And then he got better last summer, a lot better. But you're still like, well, he's going to be Dillingham and Wagner. Yeah, he he's got to play those. Yeah. Minutes, right? yeah, he was going to be on the bench behind those guys. Correct, because but... Wagner, you had to play because of of, of the lineage, right? Yeah. You had to play Wagner, and you can't not hit it on, on a former number one overall player. You have to show that, that you're going to get something out of him. But, you know, I think part of it is, you know, nobody does a better job than, than John Calipari at dealing with with egos and figuring out how to kind of uh, how to play together those egos. You know, I mean, he's done it his whole career. Like not just that, you know, with John Wall and, and Eric Bledsoe, he did it at Memphis. He did it back at UMass. So he's done a he's done a great job. And and to be honest, he's done a great job with this team. Great job. Yeah, yeah. Well, what one last question, Kentucky serves suffers another early exit from the tournament if what happens? Well, listen, I I've said this. Kentucky can win every game from here on out, and I'm not even sure it matters because they have to go to the second weekend yeah. or else people are going to be on Cal's ass because they have even more expectations now. 
Yeah. You know, let's face it, that game against St. Peter's, that was brutal because Kentucky felt like that was a Final Four team and they bowed early. So um, ultimately, whatever he does in the regular season, it's fun for Kentucky fans and it should be because this team is so much fun to watch. Yeah. But again, you, you have to you have to win in the tournament. And I would say, you know, to me, again, it's it's running up against one of those teams that moves the ball, that can pick them apart defensively, make shots, and Kentucky gets in their heels and starts to get a little rattled because they haven't been in those situations a ton. And they're playing from behind. They're forcing bad shots. They're not moving the ball. They're panicking. I, I think that would be it for me. And, like, I'm not sure the first round they're going to lose. I just don't think this team loses in the first round because, you know, again, they're too athletic. They've got too yeah. many weapons. They go downhill. They shoot it from deep. Offensively, they're a juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely was this summer. Like, there's there's they're not going. <laughs> they they don't have a chance. They're too young. Yeah, blah blah blah. Now yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I'd be surprised not to see him in Phoenix at this point. But he is Jeff Goodman. With the messenger, follow him on Twitter at Jeff. It's it's just Jeff Goodman, Goodman no Hoops. underscore, right? Goodman Hoops. Goodman, Goodman Hoops. Hoops. Sorry, at Goodman Hoops. Um, I refuse to call it X, Jeff. It's still Twitter. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Same way. But thanks for joining me. I'll see you, you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, y'all. That'll do it for another episode of the CL Brown Show. I thank you for tuning in. Please click on those subscribe buttons. Leave a positive review because we need more love in this world. And the C.L. Brown show needs some love too, right? Uh, or if not, just sit back, relax. A new episode will drop again on next Wednesday. I'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>